When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional-level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tar Pit, our odds and ends podcast, talking all things Amazing Race here on Reality TV. We're half ups. My name is Mike Bloom. Back. It's been a while. I've missed you. But let's shift over from Jeff Probst to Phil Kogan as we're discussing the Amazing Race. We'll call this week's five through seven. You know, it's been a hot second since we've been on the Tar Pit. Just a lot of things getting in the way. We have two full countries to talk about, two eliminations talk about with a nice Arun and Natalia non-elimination sandwich within there. But first, <laughs> let me welcome in the panel to discuss all things Amazing Race for the past few weeks. First, would not be able to be here without her. She is harder working at all things Amazing Race than maggots are producing that delicious cheese in Corsica. It's the great Jessica Lees. Jess, how are you? Okay, I think, I've got, I, think I got it this time, Mike. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. <laughs> can, I, can I be on now? Our special today is the tar pit. <laughs> oh, oh, was, was there a clue? Is there a clue? Yeah, exactly. You have to check, check your, uh, check your, your, rec- your recycling bin on your desktop. Yeah, there might I, be something uh, in there that you there threw might away. Be something. Oh, man, I threw away the clue. I'm going to have to dig in the garbage now. I'll be a minute. Well, our guest today is the complete opposite of digging through the garbage, and that is a true treat <laughs> to be able to have her here. Of course, you recognize her from all the stuff we do here uh, on Rob's podcast. In fact, she was on, you know, the Celebrity Big Brother recap, but a few nights ago. But she's also talking the, the Amazing Race proper on her channel, Reality Realness, with three S's, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Chantel Francis. Yes, three S's is correct. And I am so happy to be here. I have to say, Jessica, this is on my Rob is a podcast bucket list is to talk about the amazing race with you. I've listened to all of your recaps since the beginning for many, many years. And so I can't wait to tell my mom that this has actually happened. So I'm very happy to be here. Oh my gosh. Well, that's, that's incredible. I'd heard a rumor that this was true, but I, I am so happy that we're finally doing it then. Cause I can't wait to talk about it with you too. All right. This Yay. is when I fully dropped the mask. And I'm like, this is the, just the podcast where I get a bunch of people that Jess has never talked to on a podcast with her. Cause now we are four for four in that regard. Right? Like, that's, that's why we're doing the podcast, right? <laughs> exactly. Listen, I want no criticism about this being self-serving, okay? We are upfront about the rationale behind yeah, no, this No, it's serving proper. me. It's, it's all Jess serving, not Mike serving. Yeah, exactly. But it's Chantel serving, though. It seems like yes, as she Chantel serving she's as well. checking something off yes. her bucket list. It's the equivalent of you doing, you know, the bungee jump off the Verrazano Dam is you getting to get in a podcast with Jess Calise about the Amazing Race. 
I hope it's not as terrifying. <laughs> Maybe more <laughs> exhilarating, we'll say. I, I strive to avoid terrifying for sure. <laughs> So, yeah, as I mentioned before, Chantal, you, of course, are talking Amazing Race on your own channel. But I'd be keen to ask, since it seems like you have some uh, history with at least checking out recaps of the Amazing Race. What is your history with the show? You know, this is the redheaded stepchild of the big three of CBS reality TV. So how long have you been giving it attention? Since day dot. Right Ooh. from the beginning, I'm one of those people that started Ooh. up watching, you know, you, you guys all know that I started watching like the challenge and the real world and road rules, all that stuff. And then when Survivor came, I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And Big Brother was, oh, my God, this is amazing. And then the amazing race came. And I was like, what an amazing concept. Like you get to travel the world for a million bucks, like and you play games and do tasks. Like I thought it was like the perfect reality television show. And it was the one that I probably wanted to be on the most because I thought it would be just such a life changing experience. So I've been a fan from the beginning, but my recall on, on seasons is not as good as either the two of you. So I just need to put that out there right now <laughs> before I get stumped on some sort of trivia. Oh, my, right, my recall is getting worse with every passing year. Yeah, well, listen, there's still going to be no no This Week in Amazing Race since uh, I no. believe we've, we've only been to Corsica once before, and I think Greece has only been a, a couple of times as well. So we, we're, we're not uh, visiting it as much as we did Switzerland. So, yeah, and, but I think also, Chantel, your opinion is uh, not uncommon. You know, I've been talking to people this past couple of weeks because this big news, right, speaking of the challenge, is, oh, you know, the big CBS reality versions of the challenge where there's one in the U.S. and the U.K. and Australia and Argentina. And then they're all eating together to do one big global showdown. And the rumor is that for the U.S. version, right, it's not on the MTV side, but more on the CBS side. And that mm -hmm. there were amazing racers getting a call. And I was DMing with like a very noted, you know, challenge historian. And he's like, yeah, I mean, like, if you held a gun to my head and said name five amazing race teams, like I might get to four. And I, I don't I don't know whether it's just because, you know, these are more about teams and individuals that like personalities tend to blend together. Maybe it's having to memorize 22 names a season as opposed to, you know, 16 for Big Brother or tw up to 20 for Survivor. But yeah, for whatever reason, again, chalk it up to the Amazing Race being some of the, the less remembered show in general. It seems to be the less remembered just in terms of like name branding. You know, some of the most famous faces that were on there are people like Boston Robin Amber who are notable for being from another show. True. I mean, I definitely remember more than five teams, I think. Um, there's definitely more. I just think, you know, they're just even the green team from a couple of seasons ago, like I remember that, like those would be like Justin, he would be somebody I could see like deciding that he wants to go on the challenge. Like I just, I know that there's going to be some people that are going to be picked from the amazing race. And I would assume that like, say the 10 teams that I could probably remember right now, one person from each of those teams might be up uh, to participate. So I'm into it. I'm into that portion of it, that it's going to be at least people that I know, but I'm not into it for the fact that like, it's taking away from, MTV's the challenge and so I'm like mm -hmm. I wish they just kind of branded it as a completely new thing and then I'd be really excited about it yeah Jess are there any amazing race let me you know call upon your your receding <laughs> recall are there any contestants you can think of that you think would be fun slash would probably stand at least some legitimate chance of being cast on something like this well, the funny thing about the Amazing Race is the memorable teams tend to not necessarily be the ones that are going to be good at something like the challenge. So mm. you think of like a lot of the teams that we love 
for being on the amazing race are the ones that we didn't think would be good at the amazing race. And so there's not a whole lot of skill set, I think, that really carries over. I think that being said, from this season, I feel like you could get Dusty or Ryan up there. Oh, yeah. I think they'd be great at it. I think even maybe Anthony. And um, yeah. I can't remember his partner name right now. Like Spencer. they didn't get a chance to come back. Um, and I think that they both of them would be really excited to be able to continue participating um, in in any sort of challenges. I think that they would definitely want that opportunity. So I'd love to see them. Yeah, yeah I know it's, it's a thing. Like once you've been on one of these shows, and it's true of any kind of show. I think this is also true of game shows. And I speak from a little bit of experience when I say this. <laughs> it's like you've done it one time. And you get a taste for it. And even if it wasn't the best experience, it's like, well, I could double down. I could come back. I could do a different one. I could come back to the same one. And I could do better this time because I know what I did wrong. I could fix it all up. Yeah. And I do wonder how much of these would be package deals, right? Like, as an mm-hmm. example, if you think they ask Will of Will and James to come and do it, do you think he insists that James come with that it's like a double or nothing? <sighs> I don't know for them to, if they would, if they'd want to do that. Um, just because it's not actually necessarily advantageous to have duos on, on other reality shows because people will just want to break you up anyways. And so it just kind of makes you an automatic target, but to have to share the experience with your partner, like that would be kind of cool. But I don't, I don't know if they're going to, if they would do that. I don't think so. Yeah. I think so much of the show is like, I'm doing this with my partner. So you have to find ones where you can't tell the difference between the two of them. And then like you could get one of the volley bros. Like I gun to my head. I don't know which one is Madison, which one is Riley. Just send one of them and they can represent both of them. Yeah. But when it's when it's like when you know that they're both very there and very passionate and it's about their bond, which not to say not to take anything away from the volley bros. It's like (laughs) they found love out there on the race of each other. Jess, we know this. It was very prominent. Their their fraternal bond was strengthened for sure, but it's also like there was not enough difference between the two of them that I need them both to go on the challenge. Yeah, I also wonder if when it comes to the pool, if we could go back to I know it's been a, a while ago at this point, because I think the season ended up airing in what, like 2014 or 2015. But the Amazing Race 29, right, them going back to casting singles. It's a great idea to grab somebody. I think Becca from Team Fun, uh, if she's oh, still yeah. like in shape, would be, be so a primo person to grab. Yeah. I would love that. Um, I was obsessed with Team Fun and their dynamic. And I was obviously so sad when they were eliminated and how it all went down. Um, I would definitely love to see her come back. Either either one of that pair, that duo, I would love to see come back. Yeah. So again, we shall see. This news just came out today. I have no idea when it's filming, but I believe there was some like scuttlebutt that they were pulling from Amazing Race Casting. I also heard, Jess, that like maybe Tough as Nails people are in the mix, too. Oh, or, like, that. <laughs> I'm on board for that. Like, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Rupert Lee on the challenge. Yes, please. <laughs> Rupert Lee's going to get like smashed in half at Hall Brawl if he's on, if he's on the challenge. I have to say, I've not seen Tough as Nails. I, I don't know if I'm going to be exiting from the, this podcast right now, but I have not watched an episode. Is it, is it, have I missed up, missed out? No. You missed out. The main thing about Tough as Nails that made it such a joy is Phil. And Phil being Phil. And would we have continued to cover Tough as Nails with Gusto if Phil Kogan hadn't called us up and been like, hey, you got some things wrong. I need to come be the fourth chair on your podcast. Probably not. But 
honestly, he he instilled in us a love for it. And what I think would be really fun if you haven't seen Tough as Nails and you want to get your your toe in the pool is watch the episodes and then listen to our podcasts as you go along. Because it's yeah. a new appreciation for what goes into a show and how it's all put together. And Phil is just like, he's everything you want him to be. Now, that being said, the crop of characters on Tough as Nails and the crop <laughs> of characters on the challenge are two circles that would never intersect. No. Uh, That's kind of they, interesting. Yes, but I could see, like, in particular, Tough as Nails is able to support some, like, incredibly physically strong women. In particular, like there was a woman on this past season, Elizabeth, whose nickname was Elizabeth, who just is like a Herculean specimen. There was Linda from season one. So I could see actually a world where they bring those types of people in. But to the point, the person Jess is referencing is what an old man in his 50s who's like uh, <laughs> on the skinnier side. He's a he's a wise talking roofer. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the the you know the the arena for him but yeah that that news surprised me as well that we're pulling on all realms of the phil kogan universe yeah we, we should add that he is phil kogan's number one favorite person who has ever been on any television show his wow. or not his. yeah that's that's big shoes to fill okay it's, mm. okay i'm i'm sold i will go in i'll do a deep dive and catch up on my tough as nails trivia or facts yeah, listen you'll, you'll have you'll have nothing but time right uh it's not like we're experiencing an influx of reality tv <laughs> at this so moment or anything on. <laughs> ample free time yeah exactly which is why again it took us three weeks to come back here it is interesting though because you know if you go back three weeks in time what is interesting about this past few weeks of the amazing race is that it kind of has been the same if you look at the leaderboard, right? Because we were on after leg five with Sasha. So this past few weeks were legs six, seven, and eight. The entire time we've had not only the same teams in the top three, but in the exact same order, Kim and Penn first, Raquel and Kayla second, Dusty and Ryan third. And then basically we've had like, you know, uh, Lulu and Lala and Arun and Natalia swapping places and then Akbar and Sherry get eliminated along the way. So it actually ends up working out fairly well in terms of sectioning things. Because I don't know if it's going to be the exact same ordering next time, but I do find it convenient that, you know, ever since for some reason we hit Corsica, we've suddenly stuck to this formula. Chantel, do you think there's like any particular reason why this ended up happening? Or is it just pure coincidence that we have things so, I don't want to use the term stagnated because I don't think any of this has been incredibly boring necessarily, <clears throat> but like has been so constant throughout the past few weeks. I mean, I think it's because there's not tasks that the people that have been on kind of the bottom are really good at that the people at the top aren't. And so I think that I think that they're just, you know, Kim and Penn are just very good at a lot of things and better than the other teams in the same kind of, you know, uh, percentage wise. And so they're not having to do a lot of well, they're doing self drives, but it's not to like very far destinations. They're not having to worry about planes to catch you're not worrying how to do you know getting a bad taxi so there's not all these other things that are interfering with them getting from point a to point b and then the people that are getting to when they get to the task they don't have they're the people that are better are still better and mm-hmm. i think that it's just kim and Penn are really good at a lot of things and a lot of people and the other people are just not as good as they are and kind of in like the order that they've been coming in that's what i think yeah, it brings up a good point, Jess, because I think we even clocked this from the first couple legs, right? How it felt like there was a sort of strata of teams that were pretty, re- pretty to really good. And then like everyone else was kind of fumbling to make sure to avoid elimination. If we continue 
this sort of implementation moving forward for seasons 34, you know, knock on wood, should that happen? Is that going to, you know, make Jesse Tedenbaum and company rethink casting for a season? Or do you think to Chantel's point, it was just more so, hey, these are the particular tasks and these teams were better at this set of tasks than other ones? I mean, honestly, I think we have to allow for the blip when we're talking about this, because I think we have a very different mix of teams had the blip not happened. We have a mm-hmm. different set of people that bring in like a whole wild card worth of skills that I think would make this feel a little bit more mixed up. Like I think we lost several really competitive teams during the blip and we may have said something very different about what we're witnessing had they still been in. I think what happened was just by, you know, sad circumstances, we lose, you know, the other dude bro team, we lose the young dating couple, we lose, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much we would have, the other teams, two teams would have been, but they they seem very athletic, very fit, very versatile. And I, I really don't know. Like, I think what happened, we just got three very good teams and then the teams that were passionate after that. So <laughs> that's, that's what I think happened and not to disparage their skills. But if anything, I hope the people that rethink the race I don't want it to be Jesse Tannenbaum. I think he did a great job with this cast. This is a great group of people. I think almost universally, everyone has said that they love this group of people more than any cast in recent history. So don't break that. But think (laughs) a little bit more. I think we were, again, held back by pandemic restrictions and unable to do really cool things for tasks. So I want to see the tasks be different. I want to see the tasks play on a much different set of skills i I like the self-driving i think the self-driving is great especially now that people know it's going to be required of them but i want to see i want to see less cookie cutter tasks i want to see more of the you know strategic thinking like let's do some spatial awareness things let's do some not just memorization we don't have very many dancing tasks we had like i know one we had had donald where's your truthers and that's it that's it (laughs) The dancing task went away with the truisers. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I the wonder- flags were kind of a dancing task, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but but that we sort of like uh, we sort of wrote off as well, though. Right. Of like, oh, it felt like they, the judging was fairly easy. Because that's the thing. And now I now I feel like we're sort of moving away from those adjudicated tasks that we were talking about in the beginning. Uh, and I don't know if that came and went with the pandemic or it's just more so that they were having problems with them. So it's tough. Mm-hmm. It's a real would you rather of would you rather have a performance task that's like judged on a curve or no performance task at all and we're seeing the reality in which the latter is happening yeah i mean i'm I so also sick think... of like oh go ahead Chantel. oh i was just gonna say that um kim and penn seem to actually also want it more and they took the time off during the blip mm-hmm. to perfect some of these skills they realized what they weren't doing well and they worked on it and i don't know if all the other teams that came back really took that as an opportunity other than learning how to drive standard which you should have already known how to do but like <laughs> they really practiced a lot of things and got a lot better at a lot of things now that they had enough feel for what the race was going to be like and so um I, it seems as though kim and penn did their homework the best out of the people that came back um, after the blip. That's a really good point, Chantel. It's, and what it reminds me of more than anything else is modern day Jeopardy. Mm. So hear me out for a second. Like, Kim and Penn are kind of the James Holzhauer of the Amazing Race. Oh, interesting. Only, you know, pleasant to listen to 
and easy to root for. Um, so one thing I've heard people complaining about with regard to Jeopardy lately is you have these people that go on, a, you know, go on long runs where they are just steamrolling over everybody. And it's impossible to just walk onto the show and be competitive anymore. Uh, like to beat James Holzhauer, it had to be someone who wrote like a PhD thesis on Jeopardy. And like, literally she did. Um, wow. So you have Impressive. people now that come in, they do the, they do the, they call it the forest bounce when you go all around the categories and you choose like the high dollar clues first and you go, you don't go straight down the categories and they know the wagering strategy and they figure out facts like James Holzhauer learned facts by reading middle grade level trivia books, like just stacks and stacks and stacks of them to have that level of, of knowledge. and. People are complaining now, like, you can't be competitive on Jeopardy anymore unless you do that. And I think it's going to be the same thing with Kim and Penn. Like, maybe there's going to come a point where you can't be good on The Amazing Race unless you do the whole, like, Kim and Penn rigmarole of things that they did to prepare. If you don't have all of these skills in your pocket, there's going to be a team that does have literally all the skills. So I, and you better believe, like, I'm, I'm sure Kim and Penn are already writing that book. (laughs) <laughs> That'd be interesting. Yeah, basically like how to succeed in the Amazing Race without really trying or actually uh, trying a lot. Yeah, that that would be really interesting. What I don't know, Chantel, what do you think about that? Uh, this idea of like, not the is the Amazing Race broken, but like, is there a paradigm shift now of how you really need to hone in on a set of skills uh, or, or like just, you know, anticipate what the race might be throwing at you and be able to, I don't know, stand at home and balance practicing bottles on your head and tap the stands <laughs> that you get that roadblock. Well, we know that Will and James, like, they did a lot of practicing. At, you know, they did the bottle tasks at home and other, other different tasks that they thought that they might be tested on. And so they also came out with a W. So it is kind of indicative of a win if you have an idea of what, how well you are going to be able to do at certain tasks. I don't know if it's broken because we always say, Hey, do your homework. If you're going on one of these shows, Mm -hmm. like have an idea of what's expected of you. If you want to do well and succeed. But then I also get mad at casting that doesn't want to cast a super fan because they want them people to be bumbling and kind of like, you know, all over the place and not know what they've gotten themselves into. And so, yes, that might be compelling TV, but for a person that would like, if I want to go on the race, I would want to know that my skills would be able, I would be able to practice and get good at something and go on and compete and be able to have a really good shot at winning. So for me, if I wanted to be a, you know, a participant on the race, I would be like, leave it. I want people, I want to, I want to be the best at the race and I want to have the best chance of winning. (laughs) But as maybe an audience member or casting, I think that they might want to go with people that are maybe a little bit less familiar. Yeah. yeah, I hate it when they cast people that they are clearly setting up to fail, mm-hmm. like to come away from it with like a new knowledge of themselves in the world instead of actually being competitive at the show. I feel like that's kind of a cheap thing to do. And I think there's a way to design the race such that there are tasks that anybody could theoretically get ahead on. Yeah, or even do something like the aforementioned Suvlaki stand clue, right? Where like... Mm-hmm. And, you know, we laugh and that's maybe an opportunity for us to kind of pull down everyone's pants and be like, ah, look at you, stupid teams. You didn't realize it was on the wrapper the whole time. But at the same time, it is a bit of an equalizer in that way. Right. And how all the teams struggled with it in their own way. And it really teaches how it also focuses on this idea that to your point, Jess, you can 
learn all these things. But if you're not able to apply what you know, which is like some of the chief commandments of the amazing race, like read the clue clue and the devil is in the details, then like you're still going to fail as well. So I enjoy the occasional tasks like that, that allow, you know, anyone to basically succeed or mostly fail at it overall. Uh, you know, I, I don't think anyone really had an incredible time being able to immediately spot the clue on the wrapper. And that's the point of it as well. It's able to sort of equalize everybody, but also provide some great opportunity for, you know, these Americans to dig through the garbage to find their next clue. <laughs> Or or stop people on the street to ask them how to to, to use their phone to look up how to spell souvlaki. <laughs> Did not expect yeah. that at all. Or or know what souvlaki is, uh, or slushlaki, or klucklockly, or whatever <laughs> those other teams were trying to spell out. Shulaki, I think it was. Shulaki, yes. It sounds like a, the the name of like an off brand Footlocker store that you find in like a Shulaki. <laughs> Yeah, oh, where'd you get those? Where'd you get those Nikos? Oh, I got them at Shulaki. Yeah, they uh, they wear it's the it's the black and white like the rep, but they wear them horizontally now. They look like prisoners instead of referees. Everyone who worked at Shulaki, they're misprints. Yeah, such a such a great pair of Robics you got. Shulaki, half off. (laughs) Gotta check it out. It's like Black Friday every day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, let's let's get into some of our stuff here on the tar pits. Uh, I want to start with the secret scenes because we've got three weeks of secret scenes here in the backlog. And we talk about Kim and Penn. We talk about the preparation that we went to. And we talk about a very good three weeks for Kim and Penn. Finished three number ones straight. But they were not exactly uh, the cleanest and I would say most painless finishes. So I have a clip pulled from all the way back in week five. Uh, If you remember, this was the first leg in Corsica where they had to kayak the inflatable kayaks to the pit stop. And Penn gets a hernia while they are rowing to the pit stop. I pulled a little bit of audio uh, that is both from their camera footage, their GoPro stuff in the kayaks, as well as the confessional afterwards. Let's give a listen to what they have to say. 
Oh, sorry. I'm gonna do another. Come on. I gotta hurry you. Honey, you did? I gotta hurry you. Honey, honey, we're turning. Give me a second. Honey. I know. No. Okay. Oh, got it. As we're putting the kayak into the water and Penn takes his first row, he got a hernia? Like his, the muscles in his stomach, like, I don't even know what a hernia is. It's just like a little, like a little alien that comes out of my stomach if I lean forward and do too much pressure. And I, I, I know when not to do it. I just don't do it with my body. And I forgot when I did this row. Oh, there it is. And so I just leaned back and kind of jammed it back into my stomach like this. And it takes a second for it to set. But I was still trying to pedal while like on my back because I d- didn't want to. I didn't want to lose the race. I wanted if like I felt like we were in first place and I thought we had a good shot at it. So I'm totally fine. It doesn't really hurt that much. It's kind of uncomfortable. So, and then the next minute of the clip, it doesn't really make the visual, is essentially them getting in what seems like their first argument of the race, where Kim is trying to paddle, and Penn looks like he's on the lazy river. He's just lying on his back, trying to, like, gingerly (laughs) touch his paddle into the water while he is fighting this hernia. But, Jess, this was wild for me to discover. I mean, first of all, the human body is a miraculous thing, isn't it? I think i you know we've obviously heard of a hernia and i i think literally everything i've learned about hernias comes from weird al so (laughs) that was it was educational he has a he has a parody of a james brown song that is excellent um learning about hernias even like in the middle he breaks it down like a whole list of all the different types of hernias you can get i guess i still didn't know what one was um but i had heard about this i did not know there was a secret clip about it but of of course Kim and Penn talked about this on their podcast and mm-hmm. they noted like, the very next leg they're in Corsica and they have to do the, they had the like, you know, the, the skeleton kayak that I was, that, you know, Dusty and Ryan sank and they went against their own amazing race wisdom. Cause they keep saying, we're not going to, we're not going to do the ones that you have to be judged on. We're going to do like the physical ones where we know we can knock it out. And they, chose the fish task over the kayaking task because they'd just been in a kayak and Penn did not want another hernia. Oh my god. Imagine you have to be like, I can't choose this detour option because I don't (laughs) want another hernia. I'm so sorry, but that's my rationale. I still don't don't understand it popping out though. I don't understand that that part of it like the description of it is not not commuting computing in my brain like how does, yeah. how does it work yeah, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna draft you go on google <laughs> image search and look at this for us so that we don't have to see it oh boy <laughs> all right here we go this is what i get for being the last one on the amazing race <laughs> podcast what should i google hernia yeah just google hernia just google, google image hernia. search go on google image search and google hernia i want to see it luckily none of these are oh boy oh god oh it got worse oh it got so much worse oh there's an alarming number of penises here why are they next okay i guess they're next to it but oh my god dear lord oh god can can you explain this in a pg-13 like manner i mean pen actually kind of described it perfectly uh, okay. in, in like describing okay. himself as John Hurt from the movie Alien like it legitimately looks like like a knob like a baseball sized knob just protruding from your skin oh dear 
Yeah. So, I mean, the time. What is the, it exactly, though? Is it a muscle? Is it like a tendon? Like what? What is actually protruding? Uh, it looks like uh, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be like you know doctors that are just like gonna gonna at us furiously about this. <laughs> WebMD uh, is gonna I, be like. It's when part of an, an internal issue, an internal organ or a tissue bulges through a weak area of muscle. Uh, so basically, it's either organ or tissue. So it could okay. be anything, really. Yeah, I mean, essentially, this is the WebMD answer of like, well, it could be basically anything. anything Any of your parts screen. could start to escape. Yeah, I know it from. So let's go back to the challenge. Uh, so fresh meat, the first one. I remember that there was a guy named Evan who had a hernia. And I remember Canadian. they cut him. Yeah, and it it did not look dissimilar from what my eyes have unfortunately feasted upon. Like the it was about as appetizing <laughs> as the mac and cheese. Uh, it was a rather large like bulge sticking out uh, near his waistline, and he just had to kind of like grin and bear it. I mean, I know that you can get surgery for it, and like you could really endanger your body if it goes untreated. But I guess this was minimal enough that I guess if you're able to grin and bear it, it doesn't require being medevac from the race. Yeah, I think sometimes you can just kind of tuck it back in there or it goes back in on its own. It's like, oh, there's nothing to see here. I'm coming back. Um, but then sometimes if you can't get it back in there, you got to have surgery. That's my understanding. And how does it happen like the first time? Is it just like fluke or is people more susceptible to it or like I think yeah. of it as being an old person thing, right? Oh, no. Penn's going to come at you now. Well, Penn is older <laughs> than I am. And I'm an old, I am an old person, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, it seems like it's basically, yeah, uh, I mean, it says weakened muscles that may be present since okay. birth or are associated with aging and repeated strains on the abdominal and groin area. So I think it also might just be like, if you're ripping too hard at the gym, bro, uh, you mm -hmm. might get a hernia. That's why it's also like those, you know, uh, lifting harnesses and belts really are necessary when it comes to those power lifters, because hernias, I know, are like, a big risk in that industry. Well, I've learned something today. Thank you. Yeah, but I'm intrigued, Jess. Do you think, is this going to be Chekhov's hernia? I mean, you know, it's not featured on the show, but do you <laughs> think this might impair someone like Penn moving forward once we get to sort of, you know, the narrow end of the race? I think, and again, I'm going to go back to the edit for this, because I think a lot of what we understand about how the Holiness family is doing is in what we are not being shown. And if that was going to take him out, we would 100% have seen it happen in this leg of the race. Mm, that's a very good point that, yeah, this might just be like a, hey, by the way, this thing happened. You know how we hear many, many stories of amazing racers like, oh, I was running on two bad knees. I just mm -hmm. look at shoulder, but we just never hear about it because it's not important. Didn't to the affect them. Yeah, mm -hmm. I broke both my legs and I was still running sprints. Yeah. We've literally been told that by a racer at one point. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chantal, there's a good reason why, I guess, why not a, not a lot of Canadians, they have the Amazing Race Canada, but I would imagine that, like, universal healthcare is very much needed when it comes to these types of things. <laughs> American Amazing Race does not have that. Yeah, they don't want to have to go get a hospital bill because they went on the Amazing Race. But in Canada, it wouldn't matter because it would be yeah. treated for sure. Yeah, as winners of this leg of the race, you have won coverage <laughs> of whatever medical bills you incurred on this leg of the race. I mean, listen, P Kevin and Penn have won like $25,000 so far. Some of that might go towards Penn's, you know, hernia surgery. Put it in the this. hernia fund. Yeah, that little jar. Gosh. Yeah, frantically Googling Cape Cod hernia doctors. <laughs> <laughs> well, while you're there, can you like take care of something for me? Well, let's move a little bit more south because... Ryan's calves have been a discussion point 
since the blip, mainly. You know, when it came to getting swole, Ryan really focused on that. We thought the talk was done, uh, I believe. It was uh, when they were running out down the mountain, I think, back in Switzerland. But during the Corsica leg, again, in Lake 5, it comes up again at the pit stop. And here comes Phil Kogan with a bit of the action as well. And when we got to the canyon and I knew it was going to be some physical challenge, hiking, jumping, and uh, hooting and hollering through rivers and canyons, my boy in his Cornish game hidden calves marked up hill and started laughing people. We knew. Physicality. Physicality, baby. We knew we had to have something physical to get back in the race. You laid two opportunities in front of us. We ate. Those are definitely the largest calf muscles we've ever had on the Amazing Race. They're just right on the edge of the restriction. We have a restriction. <laughs> the side of the and you just yes, the donkey was, the donkey exactly. was jealous. Wow. So I guess go to like Screen Rant and revise that article. By the way. <laughs> things you didn't know about the Amazing Race. There is a restriction on how thick your calves can be. And That's... do we know if he's the biggest out of everybody? Can we fact check that? Yeah, that's what I really need from uh, <laughs> Phil. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what I really need from the listeners. I think someone needs to go back and like do a calf by calf comparison. Well, I guess I wonder, like, uh, you know, how people have their, you know, not to not to kink shame or anything. People have their 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 feet obsessions and hand obsessions. But do you, uh, if you will, is there any calf obsessions? Let me just continue to taint my algorithm and, and just sully my Google here. Uh, calf kink. Let's see if that comes up. Well, I have to say, like this is a female calf perspective, but my mom won best legs because of her calves in like some sort of competition when she was in her early twenties, and I did seem to inherit her legs, and so oh. for a while hmm. people used to call me Tina because I guess Tina Turner has also known for her nice legs, um, mm. and I think it was because of the calf area it was that I. I think I have a nice calf, um, but I don't know if it's going to be able to compare with Ryan's calf. So, I think Tina Turner would be allowed on the Amazing Race. Does she pass the uh, the bar, or is she not <laughs> allowed because bar? of her restrictions? And maybe my not. question. Yeah, my question is: Do they have to like? Do you have to like categorize your calves as a type of poultry? Well, it's interesting, right? Because back when the first time we heard about them, didn't we say they were like grapefruit shoved into socks, I believe is what Dusty described. And now we're moving on to the animal side of things of Cornish game hens, which is by far more graphic to me personally than the grapefruits. Uh, I I suppose you do have to like compare it to a protein, I suppose, because it is protein in a manner of speaking. I think it's the first time I've heard calves be compared to a Cornish game hen. Um, I've never really had, I've never really heard that before. Um, is this, am I out of the loop here? Do I not know my poultry and calf references? Um, I think I might, maybe it's a Canadian thing. <laughs> the Canadians don't know anything about, you know, poultry and calves. Maybe it's just a food item in general. Like you could just pick and choose because once you get bigger than a Cornish game hen, like Cornish game hen is like the smallest of poultries. Yeah, I would imagine like, I don't know, I guess I compare it to like, I don't know, I guess I have like squab calves personally, <laughs> like real small, dainty, brittle, if you will. So I guess it, maybe you do have to go with poultry uh, and just have to imagine like, okay, if I could stuck, stuff a bird in my leg. What bird would it be and why? No, no, I'm going carbs. I'm going carbs here. Like, 
you know, right now I have brioche calves, but once upon a time I had ciabatta calves. Oh, I love that Ooh, as well. Of like, ciabatta. let's go with the, the consistency of bread. You know, let's go with that thickness. Uh, let's go with shape. Let's go with flavor, perhaps as well. I I like that too, and that way it'll also be all encompassing as well. Um, apologies to you know the gluten free listeners out there, but at least the vegetarians <laughs> will be included. Well, I guess I could also picture maybe a, like a drumstick of some sort. So maybe even a turkey leg. I, I can see maybe a calf being referred to. as. Oh, you know what? That makes a lot of sense, actually. Could it be that Dusty was actually just comparing the legs of the hen versus the legs of Ryan rather than Ryan has a cordish game <laughs> hen stuffed in his leg? That makes a lot more sense in retrospect. Ryan, the human turducken. No, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so like, oh, you don't need to worry about stopping for food. You know, Rob asked us about the food situation last week. Like, just hoard food in your body and you'll be able to just <laughs> rip off things and grab it at a moment's notice. <laughs> this is where you get us, Dusty. This is where you get us with your weird metaphors. Uh, and also, I love Phil. Again, Phil, I love Phil's attempts to be deadpan on The Amazing Race. Like, he brought that fantastic clip last season. Jess, remember, of, like, ATF called, and they oh, yeah. the- <laughs> kept using it <laughs> over and over. Crime against watermelons. He kept right, trying well- the line on everybody. That was the best part of it. Well, actually, speaking of watermelon, I want to jump forward to our next clip here from week seven. So this is this most recent week. So this was actually flagged to us a little bit. We didn't talk about it on the podcast, but there was something in the background at the infamous uh, Slovaki Sovlaki stand. Uh, and Dusty was able to flag it down with those, you know, dog-like eyes. And he is able to make a reference and in his sort of like paranoid brain believes that a switchback was coming to a very memorable task. This is what Dusty had to say. I, I was so scared. <laughs> Got you a whole watermelon. No, I was worried about a slingshot, bud. Oh. <laughs> uh, when I saw these watermelons pulling in, uh, there was an episode in a previous season where one vaporized on a poor girl's face. And so if it were to happen, I was hoping Ryan was going to take the shot. But it didn't. And now we get to munch some delicious food. Mm. Yeah, so we didn't talk about this on the recap, but there was indeed a big pickup truck full of watermelons parked right next to the stand. If you took if you take a look back at the episode. I did not see that at all. And I would probably be like, what are the watermelons there for? I would probably be getting a little bit worried, <laughs> especially with what's happened in the past with watermelons. I mean, honestly, that's not even the hardest watermelon task they've ever had to do. Yeah. Like, stacking, I'm the about, wa- stacking the watermelons in the pyramid, right? Yeah, the good old Paraguayan pyramid. Yeah, I think at I, least I uh, think- that. That one caused less. That one caused less like hernia-based trips to the hospital, though, than what <laughs> happened to poor Claire. I'd be well, way more likely to get a. I'd be way more likely to get a hernia from that. Well, the stacking one, though, I didn't actually think it was that bad. It, who it was? Was it Hopper? I can't, oh my god, I, I'm not gonna be able to remember the people that there was some people, a, a team that was there like into the night that was doing it, and I was like, why wouldn't they just like start at the bottom and like just kind of work their way up? But they were just like starting from the side and going to the other side. I I didn't think that that task was going to be as difficult, and then it, I, I, if I remember correctly, it took a team out. Well, if you well, they actually did it uh, last season as well, if you remember, where they did it in Paraguay, and that's the one where Gary and D'Angelo really struggled. Struggled that's in particular, the where they were the ones that, like, I think they came in second to last on that leg, 
I want to say, uh, or very, very near the bottom because they were just there literally all day trying to stack those watermelons. It wasn't hard, I didn't think. I mean, I've never done it before. So like, who, who am I to say like, oh, that's easy. Why did you guys do it? But you should have done it this way. But it seemed like it would be a lot more simpler than, than it actually was. Are we surprised that no teams went hunting through the watermelons to find the clue when they didn't know it was on the wrapper? That is a surprise. I there, there's, yeah. There's a, there's a second in one of these clips where, where Raquel like goes around to the cab of the truck with the watermelons in it to be like, is it in there? But I am, especially considering like how Lulu and Lala were flipping out the entire time to the point where they ate a second helping of it. I'm very surprised they weren't tearing through those watermelons trying to find something. They may have been asked not to touch the watermelons. Oh, interesting. Those are show watermelons. Yeah. <laughs> you break Just it, to you distract buy it. Them. And we didn't and rent those. And true to, I mean, I, I am love Dusty so much. His dictionary is just from another planet. For him to describe the moment with Claire and, and like, you know, iconic moment in reality TV history as a watermelon vaporized a woman's face is <laughs> incredibly graphic. I mean, honestly, if that's the only thing you've ever seen of The Amazing Race, like, or if you have seen one five second clip of The Amazing Race, that's the one you've seen. And that is indeed what it looks like. Yeah. It yeah, looks I'd like be more like, scared, though. Like, if I was yeah. dusty and like, I'd be like, ooh, I don't know if I want to do this. Um, I would be, I'd be very hesitant if I saw them, they're bringing out the watermelons. And you're just like, oh gosh, what's next? Yeah, they're like, oh, let me go on The Amazing Race, that show that decapitates people with fruit. What do you think I am? <laughs> I want tough food. In my legs, not on my head. That's the rule <laughs> of the Amazing Grace. But yeah, that, that's that was wild to see. Just a little. I don't know why. Uh, maybe Mamos does a nice little like watermelon uh, Slovaki special. I'm not entirely sure, uh, but it, it was just really random to have in the background. And good on Dusty for you know calling it back. Uh, one more quick little audio clip here from the secret scenes, Jess. This one is for you. This is a fun little back and forth from Kim and Penn as they are driving on the highways of Greece. So by Thessaloniki. Now we're down to 50. Uh-huh. Thank you. Well done. We're like a Star Trek ship. And you're... Well, it depends on which iteration we're talking about. I suppose you could be... As really long as I'm a hot one. You could be Sulu. Maybe the hot alien. Uh, I... I'm the least surprised I've ever been in Penn trying to like essentially show his Trekkie knowledge, right? Be like, well, it depends on what iteration you would be in terms of being the, at being at the helm and navigating us. Yeah, and I'm not surprised that Kim and Penn are that couple where Penn has watched a lot of Star Trek and Kim is struggling to keep up with the metaphor. Yeah, just just saying, as long as I'm the hot alien, I'm good. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably one of the, the quirks that he has. And she's just like, I love that about you, but I'm not going to go and get into that uh, that little genre of, of television yeah. and film that you, you enjoy. That's Look, I'm in have. that. I'm in that marriage. So it's OK. Yeah, exactly. No, she's watching The Amazing Race so she can like put it in the Google Doc to prepare while he watches Star Trek. Now, that being said, Jess, I would be remiss not to ask you, like, is there a good navigator comparison for Kim within the Star Trek canon? Can we fill in Penn's blank here? Oh, well, we need someone who's kind of down to earth. Mm -hmm. Like she might be like, I, I think she's like the chief O'Brien. She keeps oh, everybody running. Yeah. She keeps it all together and she suffers constantly for it. 
but yes. at the end of the day, they couldn't get by without her. I absolutely love that. Someone who would like purposely not want to take the promotion because it's just like, I like the work that I do personally. Someone very down to earth, very humble in that regard. Some, but to your point, someone who ends up, you know, finding themselves making this 700 foot jump when they didn't want to just because of a roadblock prompt. So yeah, I love it. Give me, uh, give me Kim Holderness as Chief O'Brien any day of the week. Totally. I mean, I'd right. watch it because I haven't actually been I've become a Trekkie. Uh, my best friend loves Star Trek and all of all of the iterations of it. And like, I never got into it. So right now when we're talking about it, I'm actually picturing Battlestar Galactica and like the president. Oh, no. And like, that's kind of what I'm picturing as as Kim right now. And like, what, for whatever reason, because I didn't have a reference for somebody. No, yeah, she would be. No, I was going to say, would she be more of a Starbuck? But no, Starbuck, I think, is way too, too reckless wild. for Kim. Yeah. yeah, I think Kim would be much more of a... Huh, I'm trying to think. Uh, maybe Kim would be a Cylon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just like very focused on the task, you know, able to able to get things done, whatever they need be. Look, Passes the Cylons, that, they have their motives. They have their pros to them. I will be honest, having not seen Battlestar Galactica, I frequently like Cylons and Daleks are kind of like on my Paxton Pullman line. I mm-hmm. don't remember which one is which. Yeah, the Cylons are essentially like, uh, you know, they they are able. They're both, you know, android like creatures. But uh, the 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 uh, the the now I'm, I almost said the Dylons. Uh, the Cylons are able to <laughs> blend in with us and are able to like take on oh. our mannerisms. The Daleks obviously cannot, except for those couple of times when people were Daleks in a few episodes of Doctor Who. But mostly, it's like those little clankety clank exterminate things yeah that's uh, the one that says exterminate i couldn't remember yeah cylons uh voices are relatively okay whereas the daleks sound like urkel being you know put through a, a wood chipper fair okay thanks mike so that's, that's the demonic everyone can use <laughs> to remember it and Chantel, now you now you know that you can bring forward Thank to you. any of your sci-fi people <laughs> I'm going to talk through a couple of these other clips. Now, none of these are audio uh, based, but I want to just like read through a couple things. Mainly in leg six, right? Like after Akbar and Sherry are eliminated, everybody gets to camp out on the river and we actually get to see footage of it. And it's really cool. I'm actually pretty sad we didn't get to see this on screen because there's like a fully edited clip and everything with music. But like everyone's sitting around the fire, obviously staged, but like still it's a nice conversation where they're like, man, like, I can't believe we're here during the pandemic running all this. And, you know, it's a really intense situation, but I'm glad we came out with a really great group of friends. And then, like, in the morning, you know, Dusty's running into the freezing cold river uh, to wake himself up. So there's just some really fun videos of the leisurely activities they were doing by the river. I will ask you, Chantel, were you surprised that they were forced to camp as a pit stop during one of these legs? Definitely. When I was like, you see the beginning where, where like they before they go to rip open their clue and you see like these tents. I'm like, really? They made them sleep in tents here? I'm like, I mean, that, that would be interesting if I was on The Amazing Race. It's like a new way to lodge. But I definitely have never seen that. Not that I can recall. And so I thought it was that was an interesting choice. Um, I don't know if I like it or dislike it. I think it was just interesting. Apparently, it's a thing that happens fairly often but we just don't they don't film it once they're off the course they've stopped filming anything that happens on the course um i'm thinking 
it must have been season 25, whichever whichever one had the greeter that was the puffin. Mike, mm-hmm. do you remember this? The guy in the puffin suit? That I'm pretty night, sure that was 25, yeah. Yeah, that was 25. And that night they camped out on the beach in these little tents and they showed them all getting out of the tents in the morning when they left. And there was one recent one where they stayed in, like it was this sort of hostel set up with like campers, you know, this yeah. one, Mike? Yeah, this was last season. Last I remember. season, this, yeah. This was, this was, I believe this was in Germany. I think this was, this was after like the infamous sauerkraut uh, yes. leg when all the Mind Five helped each other. Cause yeah, there's, there were some secret scenes of them getting into like these odd RVs that were inside a hostel. So like it was indoor camping, essentially. I don't know if that classifies as glamping, but it does <laughs> seem like we now sort of have maybe a once per leg. All right, we couldn't really, you know, afford room and board or, you know, we don't want to schlep you back into the city. So, like, go ahead and, and you know, sleep on the, the ground for a night or two. It'll be fine. Well, I just also wonder, like, do they have honey wagons that they have for, like, bathrooms and stuff like that? Or, like, you know, we did hear, I was listening to Kim um, on their podcast and talking about how she couldn't do a particular, uh, I think it was a roadblock because she got her monthly cycle. And so, like, if she's getting her monthly cycle and she's camping in the middle of the woods, like, how does she deal with that? Um, I, they didn't really show it, but I don't know. Is there a honey wagon? What, what do they do? Well, because the crew is all union, they have like mandated honey wagons. But I do not believe that the cast is allowed to use any of the facilities available to the crew until they are off the race course. And in that case, I think then they'd be allowed any facilities. Otherwise, it's like what public facilities are available to you while you're out there? Well, they do need things for safety reasons, right? Because there are roaming predators and Ryan does have two Gornish game hens. (laughs) So like you can't the wolves need to be kept at bay. And so Ryan needs to be like locked away in a smell proof container while everybody else sleeps. <laughs> he's in a very well, he's, he's got a guard dog. I think he's gonna be okay. That is very true. Dusty will alert everyone if, if wolves arrive. Yep. Keeps a lookout for intruders. Yeah, so I just thought that I, I encourage people to look it up on the Amazing Race official channel if they want to, because you know. It, we are sorely missing the eat, sleep, and mingle pit stop things uh, ever since, what was it, back in like season 13 when there were fights uh, going on that were off camera. And so they're like, no, no, no. All the drama must happen on camera. So don't talk to each other anymore. So when you see those rare opportunities, it's really cool. And so again, I, I encourage people to check it out if you want to. But those are our secret scenes for the week. Let's turn to the big... Eye of Sauron, that is the world of social media. Jess, what have you got for us this week? Um, Well, I had a couple more things about this most recent leg, courtesy of the Holderness Families podcast, um, which they are great. They really dig into a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Um, There are many recap podcasts available to you, including some other ones with the racers. But Holderness Family is the one I reach for every week because they um, they tend to give the most holistic view. And uh, there's kind of two things that they talked about this week and they're getting, they're kind of that team now because they're that team that's out in front all the time. I think I do want to go back and find the other racers podcasts because we're just getting like, here's why we were so good at this roadblock. (laughs) And one of the things that stuck out to me was um, we saw Penn get that, get that roadblock right on his first try. And 
apparently they were told that not even the people setting up the task who tested it could get it right on the first try. They were assuming everybody would take at least two tries to get it. So it was astonishing for the viewers at home and anybody else that was out on the course that knew the you know nuts and bolts of it so that was wild yeah very impressive and the other thing that they noted that we did not see in the episode was um we know from lulu and lala's exit interviews that they knew they were in trouble when they were leaving the pit stop after seeing phil and they saw kim and pen coming in so Apparently, they were not the only team that found Phil before before they were supposed to. Apparently, Arun oh. and Natalia also found Phil oh. and had to come back. And Kim and Penn saw them leaving as well. Interesting. <laughs> oh, wow. This is really interesting because the way it was edited was like, wow, Lulu and Lala made this, you know, grave mistake that spelled their doom. But I guess the assumption is... Lulu and Lala got there first, and then Aruna and Natalia did. So did just Lulu and Lala get more lost getting to the stand than Aruna and Natalia did? Then that was the reason why they lost? Um, I don't know if I, where I saw this or I read it, or I'm, I'm not sure how I got this information, but apparently Aruna and Natalia, they used footage from another leg when it looks like they were lost and kind of mixed up. And so it oh. actually wasn't from that mm. particular leg. So they were bringing in the drama to see that like, oh, they're lost. They can't f- f- figure things out. Um, but they really didn't have as much trouble finding things as uh, the episode made it seem. That is really interesting. Slash a little conflicting for what Kevin Penn just said. Uh, Jess, can you, I, I mean, I'm, I am just like bum puzzled right now to think of another moment where they took footage from another, like, like I can understand pulling confessionals from other legs, but not footage from oh, other yeah. legs. Like this happens just- all the time. Yeah. This is something I think a couple of seasons ago, it was pointed out like back when I was like deep in the fandom, which mm. admittedly I don't get quite as into it anymore, but there was a very infamous shot of like two people in the back of a cab like kind of bickering with each other and not knowing where they were and getting flustered and it cuts to the cab driver like kind of smirking at them and or rolling his eyes or something it wasn't even their cab driver and it wasn't even that leg it wasn't even that country oh it's a thing like you really have to take with a grain of salt almost anything you see on this show and you have to assume that when you're going out there you think you know what story is going to be told about you, but if you had a minute, the twenties have told me this story when they were on the final leg of season 21, that there was about five seconds where they couldn't get the car started and couldn't drive it. And they said that the show milked that for a good five minutes to make it seem like they mm. didn't know how to drive stick. And <laughs> this is the kind of thing where, you know, they can take any minute and blow it out to look like you're having more trouble with something than you are. Interesting. Okay. Well, now that makes more sense. And you, you totally flash my mind now to that cab driver to make me realize, I guess I just don't really think about it necessarily of pulling stuff from different legs, but I suppose, I guess an advantage of having post blip amazing race, right. Be a lot of self-driving and these sort of uh, wide open outdoor parts of Europe is you could maybe copy and paste things from Switzerland and put them into Greece if you want to, but that is, that's really interesting. I didn't. I did not know about any of that going on with Aruna Natalia. And I also didn't have a time to to fact check this, but you guys may know the answer. But apparently, this isn't the first time that a set of twins had found 
fill before actually needing to get to yep. the pit stop. But I thought that that was really fascinating that multiple sets of twins have had this happen in, you know, the Greg, uh, Amazing Race history. In fact, it's the third set of twins in Amazing Race US history. Uh, we talked about this on the recap podcast. One found Phil uh, and did not find, I believe, the roadblock clue. One, and this was in the very first leg of the Amazing Race 5, did it without finding the detour clue. They just like happened upon one side of the detour, which was like a casino. And they're just like, okay, I guess we'll do this. Uh, and then they, but they didn't get the clue, so they were sent back to do it. So yeah, for whatever reasons, like double the pleasure, double the fun, double the chance that you're going to wind up missing a clue and end up standing in front of Phil Kogan when you shouldn't be. It's amazing. It's so weird. <laughs> but it's an interesting point you bring up, Jess, to go back to the beginning of, of this entire thing about, you know, Kim and Penn's specific perspective, right? Of them being like, yeah, we didn't have much of a problem with it. To your point, I do wonder if the Lulu and Lala podcast is quite literally the Omega to that alpha after going to the group <laughs> at all. With like, oh my God, this was a day from hell, from Hades. I need, I need Arun and Natalia to do their podcast again because I feel like we're going to get a much different perspective from them as well. And I think they would be able to speak a little bit more to we didn't get lost this leg or we did or we really did find the pit stop or any of that. Like, I would love to hear them debunk that. Yeah, because I feel like the prevailing narrative for them, again, as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, right? It's just like, look at them. They've got nine lives. You know, they're able to do pretty well in the task, but like navigation's terrible. And if there are legs where they're not doing terrible in navigation, I'd like to see it. You know, I don't want to completely make them feel like they're they're miserable failures when it comes to one very specific part of the race. If they have a good day, let us see that good day. Nope, exactly. they'll bring in clips of like a bad day to make you think that they're still having a bad day. So, <laughs> and I mean, that's definitely one of the reasons I would not want to go on the show because mm. I know, and Kim and Penn have alluded to this as well. They're like, before they saw a second of footage about the show, they said, we know there's going to be a couple of days where like our we're showing our worst selves and the show is going to make a meal out of that. And we're not looking forward to that, but we know it's part of the game. And I feel like I would just, I'm the kind of person that like replays what I think is the worst moment of my day over and over in my head. And like, Oh, that's how would people respond to that? That would be, you know, I, how could I have done that differently? This is awful. Like everybody is still thinking about that awful thing. And if I went on the show, Everybody would still be thinking about that awful thing because the show would shine a big, bright, shiny light on it. I don't want that for myself. So right. I will prefer to stay back here and pretend like I know what I'm talking about with regard to what it is like to be on this show and how people should do it. I'm better at backseat driving than I am at actually driving when driving is the amazing race. Yeah, uh, you talk about a moment playing over and over again in your head. That's actually happening in the editing bay if you're on The Amazing Race, where the person's mm -hmm. cutting the right amount of clip and music to make sure that your most like traumatizing, you know, downtrodden moment is highlighted in the most appropriate way to clown on you. Now let's see it with banjos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on, cowboy music. Uh, Jess, any other things from uh, Holderness podcast or anything from the podcast universe? I mean, those are, those were kind of the highlights from this week, but they are, they're very funny and they usually try to touch base with other teams during the podcast. So you get a lot of, you get a lot of interplay between them and you can tell that these people are all very fond of each other. So that's also nice to hear too. Mm -hmm. Well, and this week they had their kids um, on in the oh, beginning. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh. And 
I don't know if I'm just like reading into things, but I feel like they're the how they're rep- being represented like by their kids and how their kids are interacting with them. I feel like they're they, they're the winners of this season. Like this is what like I feel like mm. how that they're interacting with the kids and they're like, oh, we thought you were going to do better or we thought you were going to do bad or like they're kind of how they're telling the kid their kids about their their experience. It seems like it's coming from people that have won that are trying to fool their kids into believing that they haven't won or they mm-hmm. didn't do very well. So that's kind of what I'm I'm reading from them. And then also when I compare it to Will and James, I felt like from when I watched their podcast before the race was over, I was like, there's a there's a winning energy with how they're telling this story. And it's the mm-hmm. same or similar with the, the holdernesses. So right now they are definitely like my my winner pick from how they they do their podcasts. Yeah, I I'm with you on that. I think I think they have won. And I think the show is struggling to tell that in a compelling way because they're just that good. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I think they went about it the right way because, I mean, I would not trust my child to keep a secret that I'd won a million dollars on the Amazing Race. Like, you're almost, you're forced to lie to them, are you not? Because mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah. otherwise, that kid's going to go to school and tell everybody. And then, of course, that kid's going to be no apparent on reality fan forum, as you do. And then the whole spoilers <laughs> are going to be out there. Yeah, like my kid just learned how to read. He'd be on RFF like tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> but it seems like one, like if I remember correctly, the younger on um, the son doesn't believe that they won. And I think the daughter is kind of like, I know that you won, but I'm not so going like to. Like this is like a Santa yeah. Claus thing of like, he doesn't I, believe in it. And she's like, I'm I'm coming around to it. I know. I see you sneaking downstairs. I see you writing those checks. Yeah, things that that's you how I'm to feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly that. That's interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I can't really think of that much of a red flag, Jess, since the days of you being invited to Jason and Amy's big finale party. (laughs) That I mean, they they might not win, but they're also having a party at a lavish manor in Rhode Island. Yeah, they rented it, basically rent out an entire hotel and invite everybody to come up and, you know, spend thousands of dollars on a giant buffet spread. To have everybody watch them come in third place that does not compute. Yeah. No. All right, what I will say is, you know, uh, I also put out the beacon now. Uh, I think the next time we're going to get together is probably post finale. I do believe there is a finale party happening in Florida. If mm. there is an intrepid listener out there who is going to the party, report back for us. Give us the, the 411 and if there's any fun stuff that happens there and we can sort of do our own secondhand party goss afterwards on the podcast. Yeah, and also, I'm sorry that you feel like you have to go to Florida for that. No offense <laughs> to my Florida listeners, but I'm not going there for a while. Yes, Do any of the racers that are left live in Florida? So, I believe Kayla, Raquel and Kayla, I think, live in hmm. Florida. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, because maybe, 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 maybe. maybe it's their party. I know it's Lulu and Lala are the the ones front and center. Yeah. So obviously oh, I, that I is a, a spoiler a yeah. spoiler debunked. So I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, I think it's it's interesting. Yeah, if Lulu and Lala had won, Mike, you and I could have gone to that party. Yeah, exactly. I could have just been like, uh, hey, listen, if Akbar and Sherry won, I could just be like, hey, knock knock, I'm coming over to your house to celebrate. <laughs> we'll have crab dip. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. So uh, if people want to check that out, I believe it is the the night of the probably the night of the two hour finale. So. Be sure to, to check it out if you're able to. It's in Miami. It's a red carpet event. 
Uh, I don't think there's any other information about it, so we'll see. Maybe the winner's there. Maybe they won't be. I think the winner will be there. I think the winner will be there. I think they'll have all the teams that are there right now. I would think will be. Maybe maybe even all the teams that ever that race this season, but definitely the final six or five teams will be there, I think. Campfire five, if you will. Uh, Well, I just saw that invitation on Facebook, but Jess, I know that you yourself have plunged. You put on the big dive suit like that one guy in Corsica, and you went into the murky depths of Facebook. To, to answer a question that we put out there on the recap show, right? Yeah. So this is not as much fun as um, Liana's Casuals Corner game. I will say that out front because I feel like maybe all of us are Amazing Race Casuals when you really think about it. Um, I did not see any opinions that differed greatly from how we talk about the show. Like people are really engaged and smart about it. Mm. and. I don't see any like you can't look at you can't look at like you can't look at the comment and say, oh, this person is standing Joe Anglum and says that their children love him. So that is clearly a casual. You don't have comments like that. <laughs> hmm. So it was a little harder. Like they're overwhelmingly people are really positive about the season. Like everybody has been saying, you know, there's usually somebody on the cast that I hate that I can't stand to watch, but I like all of these people and I wish all of them could win. Or um, I'm so glad the show is back and I'm just happy to see all these people and they're all having clearly such a great time. There's not a lot of complaining and the complaining that you do get is a little bit justified. Um, hmm. And there's nobody that's just going in there like this show sucks and you have ruined this show forever. And what is wrong with you people? Um but there were some interesting questions. There were some interesting comments. And I'm just going to highlight some of the interesting ones. Cool. Um, this is kind of emblematic of how people feel about the season so far. Um, Donna H says, enjoying the season. All nice teams. No blatant cheating alliances. Just the regular sporadic incidences of helping <laughs> each other. So, Wish- <laughs> I mean, I, I do wonder, does season 33? Now, again, I think season 33 is a fun season. Like Jess said, it's a really fun group of teams. But did they really benefit from coming after season 32? <laughs> Very possibly, yes. Uh, they, she adds, wish the heroes who rescued the French train had returned, but would be happy with any team winning. That was kind of a common, that was a common sentiment as well. But yeah, people seem still a little bit bitter about last season. Which is so interesting. I think that's probably the most, and again, I, I wouldn't call that like, casual because i know that when i was perusing the amazing race subreddit last season you know there were there were a lot of amazing race diehard fans that were really against the mind five and the idea of like expressly helping some teams throughout the entirety of the race i mean i'll I'll just go back to again the fact that some of us are are based in these shows that function around alliances that i did not have as much of a problem with it but i don't know chantelle from what what you have seen you know did do you think that the alliances has like I wouldn't say forever tarnished the amazing race, but like has now clearly become something that is flagged to the racers themselves and the producers at large of like people do not like this in general, period. 
Well, it definitely has been flagged. And I've heard that the producers have, you know, if you're going to help a team, you have to be finished the task before you're able to help them. And then you have to leave um, or no, you have to be doing the task, something like that. But I didn't actually mind it last season. And it could be because I liked the teams that were in the, the alliance. If there were teams that I wasn't rooting for that were benefiting from uh, working together and they were doing better in each leg, and then maybe I'll be like, I, I don't like alliances, but I love loved all those teams and I was like yes we're together like when are you guys are going to win I was supportive of it so I definitely think that people are going to be really hyper aware of people working together um, and how it can be really beneficial to the winning team and so I understand fully why people can be annoyed by it and why producers may not want that to happen so I, it might be a one and done that particular scenario just because it was they were too powerful they were, they were the strongest teams and they were working together um, I don't think that that will happen again I think that's one and done I think that it's tainted, it's tainted alliances in that capacity for, for the rest of the amazing races lifespan. People seem really gun shy about it for sure. Um, yeah. All right. So we did get some complaints. I'm going to, I'm going to read some of these complaints because I, I think that there are some kind of fun complaints here. So Sharon L says, where are the U-turns? Where are the double eliminations? Where are the roadblocks where they help the town or the kids? It's all tight clothes and politics. They finally had a decent brain challenge. I wonder if the finale will be, will be ho-hum like the season is. Wait. I, I, am I not remembering? Or how many challenges did they do where they help the town or the kids? <laughs> I can think of like the... There was the Rob and Amber season where they had to buy stuff for the orphanage. That's literally the only one I can think of. Yeah, usually it's like performing with kids. Yeah, uh, or having kids laugh at you. Yeah, which I guess <laughs> is helping them and that it makes their day. But I'm not thinking like, all right, for this roadblock, you must run a bake sale or like detour, <laughs> car wash or, you know, Salvation Army pledge drive. Like I just the idea of that where are the tests where they help the town is very funny to me. <laughs> Um, I mean, I can agree a little bit with the, some of the complaints because I do find as much as I love the teams and I'm enjoying seeing the amazing race, I'll always watch the show. The tasks do seem a little bit basic and a little bit like, OK, like I kind of seen this before. Like I'm not really inspired or excited by any of the tasks, really. I'm just kind of watching to see how well these teams are going to do it, but not kind of shocked or like, ooh, like I, I don't think that I could do it. Like there hasn't been a task that's come up this season that I don't think that I'd be capable of doing decently well at. So that would be my complaint is that it's just it's a little bit easy, I think. I don't think it's worthy of maybe a, a million bucks. But I'm just thinking, is it not helping the town when you take all those wine bottles and you drag <laughs> them up a billion steps to bring it up to a party? Mm -hmm. Is that not helping the town, Jess? It's helping the party. I, I can think of one time when a town was helped. And I'm going to say this is Amazing Race Canada. The town oh. of Sudbury, Ontario got helped Ooh. by the Amazing Race because they paid $50,000 to the Amazing Race to have them come film in the town. And they hired <laughs> Alex Trebek. And the whole thing was a commercial for Visit Sudbury. <laughs> All right. So yeah, Helping I guess the town. you have to pay for the to answer that question, Sharon. Uh, you have to pay in order to have tasks where they quote help the town and the kids. Yep. Yeah, it's you help me, I'll help you. Quid pro quo, Sharon. 
I mean, it is interesting, though, because now I think we can officially confirm no U-turns, which is odd to me. I don't know if it's like, hey, this is the post-blip, like, everyone's back, we're happy to have you back, let's not have people be vindictive towards each other. I'm not sure why they decided to say no U-turns in the post-blip atmosphere of The Amazing Race 33. It's probably because everybody's, like, Kevin Pan, we know that they're doing super well. And then we have the teams that are, have not been doing super well. I think that if Kim and Penn, Kim and Penn got knocked out, I think that there would be like an uprising. Like people would be furious about the fact that like, they were doing so well and a team that wasn't doing so well was able to knock them out. And then Kim and Penn, I don't think would use it or the team number one, two and three, I don't think would actually use it. So maybe, maybe they've even tried it and it didn't really work or change this, the, you know, the arrangements of how people placed and they just didn't show it because they seem to have been not showing a lot of tasks this season that have, that didn't have any, you know, didn't change the rankings and stuff like that. Yeah, so, or that I did that, change the rankings and they yeah. just decided not to explain it. Look at you, cabbage. Right. Right, the cabbage. <laughs> cabbage. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, maybe it also is to your point, Chantel, because of the self-driving, there's a chance that things are more stretched out and therefore there is less like climaxism around the idea of a U-turn, right? Where it's like, oh, you know, anything can change. Someone could be U-turn, and that means Lula and Lala, your day is saved, but you could get so lost and turned around that it might not matter at the end of the day. Maybe that feel like that's the case. It does feel odd. You know, it's like when they, they had the Express Pass disappear uh, after, like, season 25, and it's, it hasn't appeared since. It feels odd to have a, a U-turn disappear after been, it's been such an integral part of The Amazing Race since season 12. I actually really like the Express Pass. I remember being like, I wonder if it's coming back this year. Is it coming back? Um, I just remember, I think it was you, Chen and Joyce, where she had to shave her head. That was an Express Pass moment, wasn't it? Or am I... That was a completely... fast forward. Fast forward. Uh, oh, that's why I haven't seen those of. either. <laughs> that's what I'm we, thinking, fast forward. We Express do not need those in this leg, so... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but with the... What, the Express Pass is when you give one to another team, right? They can... It's like a fast Sometimes. forward for another team. Sometimes. Sometimes. Okay. The Express Pass is something that allows you to skip a task. Uh, so it's like a mini fast forward where you could just gotcha. like skip a task. Sometimes you got it for coming in first place on the first leg. Sometimes it's for coming in first place in the second leg. Sometimes you got two Express Passes and you could give one away. Amazing Race Canada, there are three Express Passes and you can <laughs> give them away. But yeah, it was this odd thing where for some reason like Express Passes were really in and then they just disappeared for a while after now I'm trying to remember now I want to say it was season 29 was the last time that we wow. saw it uh yeah and and it wasn't even used that was the aforementioned team fun had the express pass and they didn't use it I believe because they went for a fast forward as well so mm-hmm. like that's the last time we've, we've really seen any of those for whatever reason and now maybe the u-turn might be gone as well I don't mind them as long as they bring in something new and interesting and they do it the right way, I'm okay yeah. with it because they broke the U-turn. They weren't deploying it correctly. And it made me mad every time I saw it. So maybe they just got sick of me complaining about it and they stopped doing it. I mean, probably everybody complained about it because like whenever I heard you, I'd be like, I'm with you. I don't understand. It's not a U-turn. If it's not a U-turn, like why are they not like, why did they change it up? The point of it is that you finish a task and you're like, oh, man, I got to do a U-turn and go back and do the other one. Not, you know, whatever they decide to do with it instead. I just I didn't even understand why they decided to chose it. I couldn't or to change it. I couldn't figure out their rationale behind that. 
Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give you one more Facebook comment. Um, and this is not, it's not a complaint. It's not a funny thing. It's just, I think it is a legitimately brilliant idea and I want it to get more play. So I'm trying to elevate hmm. this. I'm trying to raise this up so that people can, so that maybe the right people can see it because I think it's brilliant. Okay. This comes from Kim B. She says, I just got back from a cruise and I have an idea for another, another type of AR. Cruise ship edition. Challenges could be in ports and on the ship. Some of the things that crew does are truly amazing. Imagine challenges of serving drinks on the beach, making towel animals, sorting, delivering luggage, setting up the perfect cabin stateroom, preparing the fancy dinner plates, performing dances from the shows, and so many more. This is legitimately brilliant. CBS, send it to Samoa. Wait, okay. I'm, I'm, cause I had two different ideas. Until it was explained, I thought it was, okay, it's the amazing race, but like the ship is the plane that we have for this season, right? We're like, okay, well, we sure, stop yeah. in Antigua, run out in town, do some tasks and have a leg there and then come back on the boat and it takes us to the next place. But what, what's implied here is more so the, these are, you still go to those locations, but the tasks that you're doing are akin to the day to day of cruise line workers. Well, I think it's both, Mike. I think it's both. And I think, um, speaking as someone who works nominally in the ship-based travel industry, we have these things called at-sea days, where you're getting from one place to the other, but it's taking a long time, so you don't really have a set activity that day. Those are the days when you have the challenge where you make the towel animals. The other time, mm-hmm. you're in, like, Barcelona, and you're, you know, have the tapas challenge and you have to memorize the Gaudi landmarks. And then you get on the ship and you're on your way to like Sardinia. And while you're on the ship, you're doing a ship thing. Like, not only would this be a good season of Amazing Race, like charter a ship, you save a lot of money that way. Not only would this be a good season of Amazing Race, this would be a good vacation. Oh, like, this is a this is a honeymoon vacation. You and your newlywed spouse or, you know. <laughs> Whoever you want to take with you as your partner, you're doing the Amazing Race cruise and they have these tasks set up for you as you are on the ship. Like as you go from port to port, there's a task set up for you to do. There's tasks on the ship, like everything that you instead of signing up for activities for the day, you sign up for a detour. All right. Chantel, you're the, you're our, I was to say you're a resident <laughs> Canadian. You're our, uh, you're like a, uh, you're, you're our dragon's den right now. Are you giving like a thumbs up or a thumbs down right now? I give you a thumbs up. Um, it kind of brings together a lot of things that I enjoy. I love playing games. I love the you know, idea of traveling. I love going to different places around the world or along, along the sea. Um, I watch Below Deck, which I'm obsessed with. Mm. And so it's bringing in a little bit of that, like seeing what crew life would be like in and, and having people instead of just like watching it on TV, they actually have to participate and you can see how challenging and difficult that it really would be to be a worker on one of these cruise ships. So I think it has all the elements of something really compelling to watch and bringing in the competitive aspect to below deck is like, I think it's, it's genius to be honest. It's really so good. I guess my, my question is knowing you know, the, the general disposition of Americans, would they want to work on their vacation? I think Americans above anybody else would want to work on their vacation. <laughs> I mean, I guess they're used to it. So yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the thing is like out of the frying pan and into the fire in that regard. I mean, I, I think it's a really fun idea. I, I'm just because I, I, my own personal, namely my fear of open water would probably uh, <laughs> preclude me from probably. not wanting to do it. Uh, I would totally sign off on this happening. 
and having people do it as well. I think it could be outfitted really nicely. It could still fa- fa- uh, fashion in that sort of cultural aspect to it as well, right? You're still traveling the world in a manner of speaking, just a smaller subsection of the world, which, hey, isn't too different from The Amazing Race 33. So, like, listen, I'm all for The Amazing Race semester at sea. Let's do it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And also, like, with, you know, if you go on a regular vacation, you sign up for excursions. So, like, if mm-hmm. I was going on, a, you know, an adventure vacation, like, this would be the ultimate adventure vacation where you'd be doing so many different things. I think I think a lot of people would be interested in it, um, especially if, like, you know, if you're in one certain area of the world where these are the type of tasks, but, like, if you're in, like, Alaska or whatever, it's going to be these type of tasks, and you can kind of sign up for different types of semesters at sea, um, depending on what kind of adventure you'd like to have so i think it's a a great idea that could definitely be workshopped and i think that either bravo or cbs needs to pick it up yeah um however i hope my employers are not listening because this is really not the kind of thing we do and i'm worried that i'm worried that the marketing department is going to be like wow we can make a lot of money doing this i'm like no do not lose the heart of the travel keep these fears (laughs) very separate yeah exactly they're like jess you just came up with the best idea without even realizing Uh it uh, and this is how she changed the tourism industry forever. Oh, God, there is a question though: Will there be eliminations? And if so, what happens? Is the team like left behind and the ship leaves? I think with eliminations, I think it's going to be similar to similar to the you know the back half of every season of Amazing Race, where you're still traveling with the with the crew. Mm-hmm. So I think you get eliminated. Like if we're doing this as a season of the show, you get eliminated. You're still on the ship. Maybe you can like sip a cocktail while you're watching everybody else do the work. Or if you're on, if you're like a passenger signing up voluntarily to do like the home game, you can keep doing all of the challenges. <laughs> they just don't count. Like tough as nails it. Mm, that's true. Yeah. You could do like a team prize, a team prize within the team prize. Yep. Exactly. Like maybe there's, you know, there's an individual game, but even if you're eliminated, you can still play along. Well, and also like there'd be full passengers that are on these cruise ships. So like, you know, you'd still be able to enjoy the cruise as you would if you weren't participating in the amazing race. So I think that it would be pretty awesome that you get to just like, well, I got eliminated. So I'm going to do shuffleboard at noon, whatever. Now, do they though get roped into things? Like, are these now the locals that Mm -hmm. teams have to ask? Can you help me with this? Are these tasks that that can help the town and the kids? (laughs) Finally here. Yeah, you got to make this towel animal to help the kids. Exactly. exactly. Now, the, the two birds with one stone. I think we're able to accomplish <laughs> it. Phil, I know you're listening. Season 34, we just solved it for you, buddy. Don't worry. Yeah, I mean, I've told Phil before, you got to, if you want to get to some of these places you want to get, you got to charter a ship, you know, ideally a, a cruise ship, and that will get you to these far flung places you have not yet gotten to go to on the Amazing Race. That's how you do it, but just do it, but for the whole race. Amazing race, but make it a cruise. This is the best idea anyone has ever had. I'm good. It did just listen. I it's I do not know when season thirty four is going to be filming, but you know if we start on the open sea, I think we'll know who to give credit to in that regard. (laughs) Yeah, it's me, and I'll share it with this woman Kim who made a comment on the Facebook page. Oh well, listen, could be could it be that possible season thirty three winner Kim is masquerading on the Facebook page, throwing out ideas. Oh, maybe, but I feel like she would have Bertram's ear a little bit better than having to go on the Facebook page. 
Yeah, but maybe this is like the, a Beauty and the Beast situation, right? Where it's like, I'm going to disguise myself, and if you tr- if you treat your casuals nicely, this shows that you are worthy of my magic. Yes, definitely. It's it's the long game, for sure. <laughs> All okay. right. Well, that, well that, that's great. I mean, listen, that is a very positive, constructively criticized romp into the Facebook page that honestly, I am very happy about. You were not lying, Jess, when you said by comparison to a lot of these other reality TV show pages, The Amazing Race is relatively mild compared to, I think, the spiciness of a survivor or a big brother. That's true. They're not very spicy. There was one person that complained that 9 p.m. is too late for a show to come on and they can't stay up that late. But that's about as spicy as they get. Is that like a nine-year-old kid writing that? <laughs> Either a nine-year-old kid or a 70-year-old person. Yeah, it really comes, the whole horseshoe effect, right, really comes around uh, in that way. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That being said, we usually finish things off here on the Tar Pit with a game. And Jess, I'm going to keep the ball rolling with you because I believe you have something teed up for us to do to finish off this podcast. I do indeed. And this game comes to us from Sarah Carradine, who wrote a quiz for us a couple of weeks ago, and it keeps on being relevant. And I'm happy that we finally have a place for it. Um, this is a quiz that she calls All Sauerkraut, No Turbans. And this is reality tv i don't i don't get the all sauerkraut no turbans i think she explained it to me but i can't remember um so this is food themed reality show challenges and it is multiple choice i think um you may play i think you should play cooperatively okay and we'll just dive in i think it's pretty self-explanatory and I think we're going to let Chantel have the first crack at the answer, Mike, because I know some of these you're going to be able to rattle off off the top of your head. And I'm sure Chantel probably will as well, but I know what Mike knows. (laughs) That's the best way of explaining it. Yeah. All right. Question number one. In Survivor South Pacific, tribes competed in the Piranha Feast, tearing chunks of flesh from a large roasted animal with their teeth and then carrying those chunks to a communal basket. Upolu had the heaviest basket after the allotted time and won the challenge. What did they get? Was it A, the satisfaction of a job well done? B, immunity from tribal council? C, the basket of communally chewed pig meat? Or D, soft drinks and hamburgers with all the fixins? I'm going to guess D, Mike, but I I don't remember. I, I remember seeing them having it in their mouth, but I don't remember what happened after. But D would be my guess. 
Unfortunately, they were not given the pleasure of D. The answer is C. They got to bring back the chewed up pork that they had torn off of the pig back <laughs> as a reward. Yeah. The things I've blocked out of my memory. <laughs> yeah, it's a real uh, real Google Ahernia moment of Survivor South Pacific. Something that's really <laughs> yeah, even this basket of ABC pork. Um. All right. Question number two. In Fear Factor season one, going all the way back to the Stone Age. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Back, very different Joe Rogan back in those days. But we don't talk about Joe Rogan. Um, contestants were I given. I Fear Factor. Uh, I did. I don't know how well it aged, but based on this question, not well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Fear Factor season one, contestants were given four minutes to eat two buffalo testicles. The first contestant gave up after one bite. What did she say? Did she say, A, I just can't do it. I'm a vegetarian. Did she say, B, if I had to imagine what a testicle would taste like, this is exactly what it would be. (laughs) (laughs) C, I feel personally attacked. Or D, I keep thinking of my husband. Oh, God. I hope her (laughs) husband was not like uh, her partner there on that one. I mean, I'm drawn to B. That seems something familiar to me. Um, Obviously, they all sound amazing and funny, but B would be my guess. I don't know if you have any. Yes, I know. Yeah, like B sound. B is the best line. But is B like the best line because it's clearly written? You know? Yeah, exactly. Like it's been workshopped a bit as opposed to it's not organically coming out of someone. Though maybe this person had their testicle line in their head for when it has it happened. Like I can finally cash in on this opportunity. I like I I like that. Feel with B that like I heard someone say that before. Like it just seems familiar that that line from what twenty years ago. Yeah, I I do I I do remember the No, let's do it. I do remember the Buffalo testicles. Uh so I don't remember the 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 quippy one liners from it. That's not my takeaway from that incident, but I, I like your vibe. Let's go let's go with B right now. All right, you're correct. The answer is B. Hi, Chantel. All right, question number three. In Survivor Caramoan, castaways had to eat shipworms in a gross food eating challenge. They, the castaways and the shipworms, had been sitting out in the sun making them especially gross. But what are shipworms? Are they A, worms, B, ships, C, mollusks, or D, parasites? I'm assuming mollusks. Just take a like, big bite out of that hole. That would. <laughs> um, is it mollusks? I, 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 I would, I would, I would sure. assume it's a mollusk, yeah, because I yes. think it's, maybe, it's, yeah, it's one of those like tit mouses, right? It's neither a tit nor a mouse. Exactly. It is a, it's neither a ship nor a worm. It is a mollusk. You're correct. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. all right question number four in amazing race australia season four racers had to eat three thousand year old eggs each what did joey of the sibling pair viv and joey say when he discovered what the task was he say a mom used to make these no b i had a big breakfast i don't think i can eat another bite or c viv can you eat my please i'll never ask you for another thing or d that's a quarter of a million dollars worth of eggs. Man, I watched well this versed, as well. Yeah. You're more well-versed on The Amazing Race Australia than I am. I will fully admit I, I gave up on that megalith a while ago. I remember the the episode and like it was on like a one of those lazy Susans and they had to eat all these eggs. 
Can you read them again? Do you mind? Yes. Um, it was A, mom used to make these. B, I had a big breakfast. I don't think I can eat another bite. C, Viv, can you eat mine, please? I'll never ask you for another thing. Or D, that's a quarter of a million dollars worth of eggs. I'm feeling it's either B or C is what I'm thinking, but I, I'm definitely not sure. Talk to me about the Viv and Joey dynamic. Would it be a thing where the partner would be like foisting it upon his partner of eat it for me? I'll do whatever you want me to do for the rest of your life. I can't remember who they are right now. Oh, no. They were, they were really, really short. Really short. Yeah. That's. Like I, just, I, I just, I just see like, like foggy faces right now. I can't like. Didn't, didn't they have a nickname like, like the Mighty Siblings or something? Everyone in Australia has a nickname when they're on these reality shows. <laughs> I think um, it doesn't. Everybody just like put A Z Z A after their name. Exactly, or call themselves royalty. Uh, they were Viv and Joey, Mighty Siblings. Yep, uh, they, that's what they were called. <laughs> Mighty siblings. Oh my gosh. My I can't like I literally just watched this and I don't remember these people right now. Um, um I don't know. Do you want to go with the guilt trip? Do we wanna or the, the the begging and pleading? We want to get to that state of the grieving process of the bargaining with do I'll I'll do anything you say if you eat this for me. That's the one I'm leading towards. So it's either C yeah. and then B would be my second choice. Let's go with C. All right. Well, you're incorrect. This is your first incorrect answer. The answer is A, mom used to make these. Oh. And one of the reasons you're having trouble with Viv and Joey is because they weren't on the most recent season. They were on one that we actually watched um, or that Mike and I actually got all the way through, I think. I don't know, Mike. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I, got I, tapped, I tapped out after that one as well. I was I was, uh, was I was fading fast on that one. But the, the deadly first, duo and all that stuff. The first Grant Bowler season or no, the last uh, the first. What's the other guy? Bo Ryan season. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That, and it was like a normal season. They didn't like have 52 teams and go and, and like people coming in and yeah. Olympians and yeah. 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 So that's why yeah. I was like, I don't remember this right now, like from last summer, but that makes more sense why they're foggy faces. I'm like, I yeah, I don't remember this. That's right now. also why I was having an easier time picturing them because I watched a lot more of that one than I did the last season. Um, okay, so question number five. In Fear Factor Season 3, oh, contestants great. played a game of horseshoes. But how did the result of the game relate to horse rectum? A, the game determined the order in which the contestants would eat the horse rectum. B, the game determined how many inches of horse rectum each contestant would eat. C, the game determined the one contestant who would be immune from eating horse rectum. And D, the game determined how long each contestant had to eat a set amount of horse rectum and keep it down. And Sarah adds, and now I have said horse rectum quite enough times. Yeah, I think you've (laughs) hit your quota of saying horse rectum before you can now pass this mortal plane of existence and move on to whatever afterlife is waiting. Was not expected the end of that question. I'll admit to that. Um, (laughs) So now we have to sort of like put our our heads in production's mind, right? And be like, what's a good mechanic to use the horseshoes for? I don't think they were doing immunity from challenges. No. And if they did, I don't no, think I, they would be doing it via like a horseshoes contest. No, I think it would like whatever it was would be adding the, the amount of grossness or like like mortification. Oh my god, I can't believe that I got that. So I feel like yeah. it'd be like deciding how bad you're going to get something. 
Okay. And the time, okay. the D feels too complicated to me, right? Like the time in which you take to have to keep it down just feels like too much for it. So it's either, so the first one was what? How much you have to eat? And the second was, no, the, was the, the first one is the order you'd have to eat it in. And the second is how many inches of horse rectum you'd eat. I feel like how many inches is pretty I close. think it's got to be, listen, it's a valid question in life. And in this case as well, how many inches? I think, because I think that, I, like, I don't know how much the order really matters, does it? Like, like, like I guess you could watch people puke before you, but like, I don't know how much, go, I don't know how much going before or after someone's really going to matter. It's not like it does during the other ones that are more physical, right? When there's like a time aspect to it. So yeah, I think we're gonna, we'll go B on this one. All right. You are correct. The answer is B. How many inches? And I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Sure I also don't great. know what the, I wonder what the upper limit is. I'm just very curious about how much was readily accessible. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much you know about rectums, Mike. Um, oh uh, like a third graders amount of knowledge. <laughs> I'm not James Holzhouering my rectum knowledge. I'll just say that. <laughs> I, I feel like, well, I mean, the lower intestine in general, you, like humans have like nine feet of it. So I imagine, I imagine horses have a lot of it as well. And you could probably use more than one rectum if you needed to go beyond the, you know, the upper limit. <laughs> I used to watch the show. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Yeah, this I've is never seen a second of Fear this Factor. This is very much us looking. Well, I've actually, uh, Jess, if you want to watch a very fun cathartic moment, there's an episode of Fear Factor where uh, where Jonathan from Jonathan and Victoria in season six attempts to punch Joe Rogan and gets kicked off the show. I don't know who I'm rooting for in that scenario. <laughs> it's alien versus Predator. Whoever this wins, is a, we both This is lose. a true Fair Play Bonaducci situation. Well, Johnny Fair Play was there as well, so he really is the common denominator in all of this. I'm surprised he didn't try to jump into the fray. Might have ended up rooting for him by default, and that that doesn't feel good. <laughs> that's that's like my main Fear Factor access memory. Yeah, Johnny Fairplay was playing with Twyla. I remember that, and I remember uh, Mike the Miz was playing with Trishel. There was like a fun reality stars version of this. Ethan was there, I think, for one of these editions. Is that the same wow. one as Rachel Riley was on, or is that a no? That was a much again? later one. Yeah, that was a much later one because that was when they did that one with like I think that was when Exhibit or Ludacris was hosting, and they had right. <laughs> uh, Zach Rance and Frankie Grande, and oh no, Zach Rance and uh, Beast Mode Cowboy was there, and Rachel Riley was there. Like I have to say, I have seen every season and episode of Fear Factor. I I, I, did, I actually forgot that it was part of like my reality TV uh, history, but um, I definitely seen every episode. And I do remember now, like the horseshoes, like I can picture them doing it. I didn't remember, obviously, for sure what the answer was, but I've seen it. Oh, my God. It's so gross. It's OK. We, a lot of us spent the aughts watching TV we shouldn't have. And I'm definitely not. I can't yeah. cast any stones in your direction for that. Yeah, sure. do not throw glass stones within our rectum house right now. We do not want any <laughs> penetration Tear? at the moment. Ew. No, because the 2000s was still an era where we didn't have that many options, where it was just whatever's on the TV right now is something that we're going to watch. And so yeah. we, we, we shall not chide ourselves that much for the decisions we made in the 2000s. I mean, honestly, if you're seeking out horse rectum shows now when you have a wealth of content on demand, I might look at you a little bit more side-eyed. Exactly. I completely Thank agree you. with that. But on the other hand, I work for <laughs> RHAP, so maybe I can't do that either. Uh, now, I, now I don't know what the R stands for in RHAP. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs>
The RH. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, HR oh, no. on the RH. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. All right, next up. Question number six on a roadblock in the Amazing Race Season 5. Racers were asked to eat delicious salty caviar. But how much did they have to eat? Ooh. Was it A, one kilogram? Was it B, 2.2 pounds? Was it C, 6.8 cups? Or was it D, 35.2 ounces? Uh, I've, I've, they all seem manageable. So it would be something. Well, no, I guess one kilogram would be. Wait, how much would that be? Yeah, so I'm trying to figure gets? out. It's like the the kilogram is what I'm leaning towards, but it's that seems like almost too too much. I do remember, obviously, people really struggled with it. That was the first of really, and it would segue into the the task that Jess loves with the soup. But that was one of the first really big like uh, an eating task that stops everyone short. That, I remember that was like one of the first times that like Brandon and Nicole and Colin and Christy like really had difficulties, and it's the first leg they chip and Kim won. But I can't remember if a kilo is too much. No, it certainly Wait, is too much. Isn't a kilogram two point two pounds? So isn't that the, isn't one and two the same then? Or am I just uh, messing things? Yeah, up? That, I mean that is true. So wait, did, did we? So break maybe it? then it, are there two? So, yeah, maybe. He, or maybe it's neither of those. Um, and those. Oh, are that both could be it as well. It could be, we could fifty-fifty it. I mean, like a kilogram of cocaine is a lot. Is a kilogram of caviar. <laughs> That's how I measure my things. A kilo? Okay. How much cocaine is that? It's a lot of cocaine. I need a reference that I can understand. Okay. That's exactly what I'm doing here. I'm trying to slumdog millionaire it, okay? Uh, what, and what was um, C and D's um, amounts again? Okay. The, the options are A, one kilogram, B, 2.2 pounds, C, 6.8 cups, or D, 35.2 ounces. Is this a thing where like all of them are the same answer that you just did the the measure the measurement conversions into all of these things? Kinda. <laughs> okay. So maybe it's just how they said it then. I think I think it's a kilo. Like if I'm going to Russia, I think it makes sense. I think if I'm taking the big brick of caviar that you know gets held back at customs uh, for various reasons, I think the kilo makes sense. Yeah, I mean, say. honestly. Yeah, honestly, A is correct and A is more correct than the other ones because I think a kilo is how it was presented to the racers. But all of the answers are correct because they are all the same <laughs> amount. Very tricky, Sarah. Yeah, it doesn't seem too bad when you think of it as what? What, six, 16 cups is the, uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, six That's cups is C. Oh, six, that is a lot. Six cups a lot. is a lot, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I think if you break it down into six cups, though, it doesn't seem too bad. I don't know. I watched Tom Hanks struggle with a teaspoon of caviar, and I'm not <laughs> sure I could do it. Yeah, that's true. I don't know how many. Really? That's talking about not doing it for the kids. Uh, I think she's referencing Big, I believe, where he, she yeah. wipes it on the right. wipes right. it on the napkin. Yep. Saw my own child do that today, not with caviar, but with other food. Um, okay, number seven, The Amazing Race, season fourteen, episode. Don't let a cheese hit me. Featured huge wheels of cheese, a gently sloping hill, and much hilarity. But what was that cheese? Was it A, Gruyere? Was it B, Gaperon? Was it C, Graviera? Or was it D, Gorgonzola? I don't think it would be Gorgonzola. 
No, because so they were in Switzerland. We talked about this on the last podcast that that was they were in Switzerland for this very task. So we have to think. I mean, Gruyere would be my first, or is it Gruyere French, not Swiss? But um, and A was A was Gruyere, Gruyere correct? Gruyere was Gruyere. I do not remember B or C. B was Gaperon. C was Graviera, and D was Gorgonzola. I don't know B or C. Right. Um, so I think you stick with what you know and what we know is A. <laughs> and if it was what I know, then I would think it would be A. Unless it's just like compl- something that I completely don't know. Because I just don't think it would be Gorgonzola. I don't know if it, it would be in Yeah, a, I don't know. If, I don't know if they'd be wheels of Gorgonzola that they're trying to bring down the hill. I mean, honestly, I think I don't know if Gorgonzola would stand up to that kind of abuse. <laughs> Gorgonzola right. doesn't deserve that. Can we go in with A? <laughs> yeah, we'll go with A. Okay, you're correct. It was A. And Gorgonzola is a crumbly blue cheese, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I was going to say, like, it's tough kind to pack smelly. into a wheel. I can't imagine have, wheeling that around. You can't put that down <laughs> a hill. Okay. Um, question number eight. In Australian Survivor Season 5, the Contenders Tribe won a reward of the largest pile of nachos ever to have existed and margaritas. They had to take turns to eat in privacy. What did Benji do when he had had his allotted time alone with the food and alcohol? Did he A, toast himself with a margarita saying, mate, you've got this in the bag. B, ignored the food as he hunted for and found an immunity idol. C, scrupulously divided the nachos by the remaining tribe mates and ate strictly his share. Or D, dived headfirst into the pile of nachos, shoveling them into his mouth two-handed with chewed and unchewed pieces of meat, cheese, and corn chips flying out of his mouth back onto the food his tribe mates would soon be eating. I've seen this season, and it's not helping me that I've seen it. So my (laughs) guess immediately would be five. Um, What? (laughs) No, because, well, the reason why I think it was five... There there were no... there are no options. There's no five, options. Sorry. Five. There are no, no number no options. <laughs> sorry, there aren't even five I'm, options. Not five. D. I don't know why <laughs> I said five, but D is what I meant to say when I when that came out of my mouth. Um, I can just picture somebody doing that, but then I can also see all of those options being a possibility. No, you are correct. Unfortunately, it is D. Uh, Benji horked and inhaled the nachos it is still one of the grossest things i've seen on survivor including the answer to the first question uh i will remember it because i believe he also did look for an idol clue at the same time that was where they had the 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 clue underneath the nacho plate as well so yeah unfortunately it's d yeah you're correct it is d Uh, and i think also sarah also gave the goat a bit with the uh the way she like scrupulously described it as well that is poetry honestly All right. Number nine. During the Amazing Race Season 32 Mega Leg in India, Hung and Chi and Kayla and Haley delivered food for Swiggy. What was the name of the restaurant they picked up the food from? Was it A, Jewel of Nizam, B, Kebabs and Curries, C, Hyderabad Chefs, or D, Deccan Pavilion? Wow, we really just swung into the the real meticulous Easter eggy That's stuff. That's the here. weeds. Yeah. Wow. Like I would have maybe remembered Swiggy. I don't think I would have remembered the restaurant. My immediate guess would be C, but I have yeah no. No, I I agree because I think I believe they were in Hyderabad, so I think it would make sense to. 
I, my best guess would probably be a restaurant that has Hyderabad in the title of it. I'm assuming that is C, right? Yep, that is C, and that is correct. Although Sarah notes that these are all real cafes in Hyderabad, so that was the okay. oh. twist on that, meticulously researched as ever. Yeah, if people want to go check it out, uh, Sarah wow. Karine has done the work for you. Yes, indeed. Um, all right, and finally, question number 10. On The Amazing Race, season 33, leg 7, teams had to get to Tour de Fatea, where each castmate, each teammate had to eat Casagumere uh, or maggot cheese. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that. I didn't look them up. Um, what did the ex trolley dollies? That's very Australian, Sarah. I think we just call them flight attendants. Raquel and Kayla. What did Raquel and Kayla not say while they were eating the cheese? A. Worst cheese I've ever had. No offense. B. I don't think the dog would eat the cheese. C. No, it's not bugs. It's clues. Or D. It's good for us. It's protein. Okay, so I know they said B. We talked about this on the recap, mm-hmm. right? And I know it was them. I don't remember if the it's not bugs, it's clues comment was said by them or by Penn and Kim. Like, I feel I, like that's a Penn thing that he said, right? It's not bugs, it's clues. That definitely rings true to me. Um, so C. Yeah, and I think that's a Sarah Carradine thing of like, ev- they were all said, but which ones were not mm-hmm. said by the trolley yeah. dollies as she refers to them. <laughs> all right, well, you are correct again. It was Penn who said option C, and you guys totally murked this challenge. Oh, nice. Woo! We murked it. Sweet. Dude, did we murked it, dude? I was nervous. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Well, I'm not going to eat anything anymore tonight. I don't know about the two of you. Yeah, I'm done. Definitely I might not eat forever. Cheese. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm and I'm full up on this podcast as well as good of a, of a, as a time it was. This was a lovely experience to get to sit down and talk about the past few weeks of the Amazing Race and literally every other place that we went to, a la a nice cruise ship, if you will. Chantelle, it was so great to to have you on. Uh, if people want to check out what you're doing, because you are also talking about Amazing Race on the reg, how can people follow you on social media and see what you're doing when it comes to reality TV recaps? For sure. So Twitter, I mean, I do use Twitter kind of. So Chantel or Shan underscore 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 Fran. I have been kind of pushing like Shana for AFP. So that's how I've been using it recently. Um, but I'm not really that active on Twitter. So if you want to find all my socials, go to Instagram at Shan Fran Fran, or you can go to my YouTube channel, Reality Realness with three S's. I'm usually go live at least once a day for something. So I'm always around. What are you talking about in terms of reality TV nowadays? Because like we said, right there's a now. lot happening. Um, I mean, it's kind of simmering a little bit. So obviously we're do- I'm doing um, a little bit of a Celebrity Big Brother, either on my own channel or with RHAP or with Sarah from Entertainment. I'm also doing the um, Australian Survivor. So tomorrow, so Friday, Sundays at 5 p.m. Eastern, I usually talk to Phil. Um, sorry, my Rod and film, there are a couple, and we do the the weeks episode. So I guess it would be seven, eight, nine, the saddest week in um, Australian Survivor history, we would <laughs> say. Um, and then lastly, on Thursdays at seven p.m. Eastern, talking about the Amazing Race. So I think that's all I have going on right now. But things are about to obviously pick up with Big Brother Canada that's going to be starting, and I don't know if I'm going to recap Beyond the Edge, but it's a possibility um you know u.s survivors starting so i think it's going to get pretty busy very shortly very soon well yeah it's good to be busy and i love checking out your content so i hope everyone else does as well 
Of course, you know, Jess and I gave out our plugs on the recap podcast. So check that out. You should be checking that out as well, because we had a very fun time with Rob breaking down leg eight uh, as we move forward to leg nine next week. And as I mentioned before, I think the Tar Pits, since we only have two weeks left, three legs left, we're going to hop on one more time once the season is over that first weekend in March to break down everything that happened the last few weeks. But thank you to everybody who has, you know, dedicated their time and their bandwidth to listen to this. This is, again, very much an odds and ends podcast. I think we really fulfilled that (laughs) moniker this particular week. But we had a really fun time getting to do this. Thank you, Jess, for, you know, bringing in the comments. Thank you, Sarah Carradine, for the game. Chantel, thank you for bringing in everything that you do. And thank you all so much for listening. So, again, Jess, Rob, and myself will be back this coming Thursday to talk about leg nine of the Amazing Race 33. Thank you all so much for listening to this edition of The Tar Pit. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.